Hey, hey, welcome to Web3 Weekly with your host, Blockstar Technology. Let's go. All right, guys, um, welcome to episode 23 of uh, Web3 Weekly. Yeah. So, um, uh, say a big hi to the Twitter Nation, the Insta Nation, and uh, today we have um, awesome uh, Alex's building, the whole Twitter name. So, um, Alex, thank you so much for joining us for this week, you know, taking time off your you know, amazing, um, you know, uh, what's happening in your life uh, to give us some of your valuable time. So, today in the podcast, uh, it's myself, uh, Cozy, and Charlie, uh, the legendary yes. Charlie. Um, so, uh, let's get started. So today, um, this space is, what we're talking about is the builders in the space, right? And people are saying like, oh, it's the bear market and everything else, but, uh, you know, you can see some, you know, like great people building great products and really looking at the utility side, right? Yeah. And we thought it'll be awesome uh, to invite someone who's truly, when people say, oh, we are building, uh, you know, we want to correct some real people who are really building, you know, and what it means, what it what it looks like, you know, when the building is. So, um, Alex, um, on that note, uh, Legend, I'm going to pass it to you, mate, uh, to get a little bit about your background and um, what you're doing in this space. Cool. Um, so thank you for having me, Cozy and Charlie. Uh, this is a lot of fun. I actually got to meet Cozy in at NFT Fest, so it's fun to rekindle and, and reconnect. Um, so my name's Alex. Uh, yeah, uh, on Twitter I'm Alex's Building. Um, it felt like a very apt name. Um, everyone was asking where the builders in the space. I just thought I'd make it easy for them. Um, but my background is I've been in the blockchain space for about eight years now. Um, I got in all the way when blockchain was just called blockchain and, when, and the things that we now track with NFTs was just called data um, and that's what I was really excited about and got me um, immersed in it, particularly as someone who um, was really into collecting sneakers back then and just kept on trying to find good deals and was buying fakes and just always felt like there had to be a better way for knowing and trusting people um, in that market. And that's where actually where my passion for blockchain started, a genuine use case that would solve my problem. So I went all the way down that rabbit hole um, and have been lucky enough in that time to consult to some incredible brands. So the one I always call out is the NBA, but for people in Australia, another one is actually Mecca. Um, so that they were a client of mine and um, I'm also a builder in the space. So. Now I've launched my project Cryptopians, right, just over a year old, and I'm building on that every single day. So for anyone that wants the TLDR on that, basically it's how, what would happen if you threw the most computer power possible at an NFT collection, what would you get? You'd get a Bricktopian. And um, now we're building on that every single day with um, what we, we, we feel like we did the impossible in the, in the digital world. Now we're doing the impossible in the physical world with what we're creating in the brain group, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point during this talk. Yeah, awesome, mate. Charlie, you want to start? Yeah, so uh, Alex, I noticed that you said the throw and superpower at your Bricktopian collection of... Uh, yeah. What was the process of that? Because I have seen your collection around and seen you talking about it a lot. But what was the workings behind ma making every one of those unique and yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So that's a really awesome question, Charlie. So um, I actually, I think the way to answer that is to give the origin story of like how we came to decide on making brick tokens, which was, we actually, look, we were, so we're quite early to the NFT building space. We started building around end of July, start of August in 2020, I used to say last year, but now it's a while ago. So 20, <laughs> 2021. And at that time, the biggest collections, like it was quite a fresh space. And the way that builders were creating um, innovations was they were making what we now call derivatives of the, the legacy collections, whether it be CryptoPunks or Bored Apes. And so I bought into this collection that I really love called Fusion Apes, which was an AI interpretation of the Bored Ape Yacht Club that made like Fidenza style apes. So we asked ourselves, what is our version of this? What's something cool that we can do? And we started creating a collection called Brickto Pumps, which was kind of, as you can imagine, we asked ourselves, what's a pixel in real life? It's a brick. So we started making this collection. That's cool. And we got a lot of like really incredible names that were supportive of the project, really liked what we were doing. Like it was a completely different time then. Um, like, for example, we, we caught up with Avery Akineni, the head of Vayner 3, I think they call themselves now. At the time it was Vayner NFT. Um, Andy Cranach from VFriends was like, yeah, this is a really cool concept that you guys have brought up. I really like it. We had this massive community growing around what we were doing. But then we started to see that derivatives, they just essentially would get hot for one minute and then would fade away off into distance and never really be able to create anything meaningful ever again. And so we're like, well, that's not what we want to create. So we want to do something massively impactful, something that moves the space forward. So we had a Discord community of around 40,000 people and we were like, okay, we, we all love bricks, but we can do so much better than this. And so we're going to delete the collection and we're going to start again and we're going to create something really profound. And so what we, the, the development process for that was we had to go, okay, back to the drawing board. What is it that we actually want to create? We didn't just want to create, uh, at the time we created an algorithm which essentially interpreted um, 2D art and, and kind of like reinterpret them as bricks. We're like, well, what if we could apply this to a 3D face, increase the number of bricks that are actually used throughout the models? And then what if we took it one step further and actually made them all moving? Because we haven't really seen any moving NFTs and we wanted them all to move in their own unique way. And so from an art perspective, my co-founder, Lord Agree, he had to really <laughs> get into the trenches of pushing the limits of what's possible. But then we also assembled a much larger team around actually executing the pipeline of the practicalities of what that means um, to actually produce every single one, one by one. Because originally, they were just getting produced on my co-founder's laptop, which even though it was a MacBook Pro, a very nice <laughs> laptop, so cool. um, was a, uh, you, with most collections that we know, you can actually make them in about 10 minutes if you just use like the splicing algorithm. But each of these, I love to say, if you were to make it on a single laptop, it would have taken you 10 years wow. to just load wow. every Bricktopian. So it's called rendering if you're from the industry, but the way most of us would think about it is if you ever like load up a game like Red Dead Redemption, you're like, fire out, this is taking a while. That's because they're loading the environment and the water and all the different things. Apply that to Bricktopians, it would take you 10 years to make it on a computer. So. It wasn't just the technology that actually made it possible. It was basically better. I had to bet my life savings on, on that team um, to actually execute and deliver that pipeline. Thankfully, the, the beautiful fusion between art and technology came together, and now we have Bricktopians.
Wow. Man. Awesome, man. Yeah, that's, that's cool. sick. That's a cool origin story, that yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Alex, I, on that, I think it's perfect uh, to move on to the next one, which is the challenges, right? I think what we're talking about when challenges, like a lot of people think, oh, okay, you know what, you've got an NFT project. Now, uh, what, what's on the roadmap, right? Before even the builders get a chance to breathe, like you're like, what is the utility? What is this? What is that, right? <laughs> so before we even get to that part, before even we get to um, doing the uh, the NFT or the token or the project, I would like to, like, what are the key uh, like challenges that you remember that really changed the, like we can call it like more like the inflection points that like, oh my God, this challenge was the one that really, because I want to talk about the, uh, the idea challenge, one of the uh, challenges at the idea and one of the challenges in the technicality and the mm -hmm. meeting day and the next challenge is the building community. So I want to highlight those four uh, questions in the challenges because I think that's where the magic happens. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so the idea, the challenge, what was it like? Yeah, so there are a couple of challenges in there that really define our history for me. So the, the first one, definitely on a personal note, was kind of that uncertainty of basically putting all your chips into the center of the table and betting on an outcome that was quite uncertain. Because that, the market at that time would go up and down on a two-week basis and sort of like, NFTs are the best thing ever. No one's ever <laughs> going to buy an NFT again. And it would like go through these cycles. And there was definitely like that, that kind of burned the boats, like you, you have, you've put it all on the line, now you have to give it your everything, was like a level of flow state and like this beautiful, it was like trying to win a, like play like a sports championship. Yeah. Like it's like you worked all, all this work to get to this point, you put it all in and now you have to execute. And I, for me, I've never experienced a level of work rate or have gotten anything out of myself <laughs> quite like that until actually getting into this world, which is the next challenge, is the level of responsibility that you carry. And I don't take that lightly at all. I think a lot of founders make a mistake coming into the space, thinking that, um, oh, I've got these great ideas and uh, like I've raised um, out the gates, I've had a really successful raise, it's blue skies from here. It's like, no, 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 you have like a really strong accountability to your community and to your vision and to pivot the vision if it's not working. Like you also need to know kind of like when to hold them and when to fold them and when to take things in a new direction. But also you need to know when you need to give your vision enough time for it to pay off, right? And so that balancing all of those mindsets on a day-to-day -day basis is the biggest thing I have to consider. So I'm constantly having to evaluate um, is our roadmap the right roadmap? How much do I disclose versus not disclose? Mm. Because it's like create a level of <laughs> interest and hype yes. versus keeping aces in the back pocket that <laughs> I can get out when I need to. Yes. And also then balancing which parts of that roadmap do you, do, do you um, develop in parallel? Because people think uh, a lot, I think anyone that runs a business knows this, but to people that have might have not experienced that before, um, People think that you just throw more bodies at a challenge and it gets solved. And the reality is, is even if you created seven teams for each team is for a different piece of utility, that actually doesn't create effective outcomes. What you need is focus and direction and really giving it to the things that make the greatest impact. So over the past year, I've had to learn what, what creates impact with 
keeping a community engaged? What are the things in a roadmap that people actually care about versus do nothing? Like the do nothing examples, people in the bull market, I used to get a lot of pressure to create a clubhouse in the metaverse or to create merch as a utility because everyone was doing merch and like all these things. And the most challenging part in all of that was to be disciplined on some things to say, no, that is, I get that that's the flavor of the month, but that's gonna take us off course on, on the real vision, but then also being open enough to hear suggestions that you might not have thought of and integrate them into the pathway. So that, that balance is like the day-to-day -day challenge of what it actually is to run an NFT project. The other part of it, of course, as well, is that it's um, a 24-7 cycle. So I've had to become a really, uh, a, it's like, um, I think like the stock market, for example, or like businesses, like they trade like Monday to Friday. Yeah. We're, we're open 24-7, and we're in Australia on a different time zone to That's most it. of the rest of the world that cares about this. Yeah. So I have to be really conscious of, um, if I know that I'm going to have some family time, like know that there's enough like of the team handling things that can keep that community engaged, keep that fire alive. If um, even into like the Christmas season, I remember I like pre-recorded videos and did all those sorts of things. It's kind of like, it's almost like bringing a child into the world and you need to, to grow and nurture it. But the great thing is, is if you fully commit to that, and I only think, actually I had a, another interview earlier today where I was talking, uh, talking about this, the guy asked me, what would your advice to founders be? Well, if you could give one piece of advice, and it was only do it if you love it, um, or only create something that you love. And the reality is for me is that we were so passionate about the foundation we were setting with creating Bricktopians, about bringing something quality into the world. And we're so driven by our vision for what we've created in the 3D printed wearable space, it was like a world first in, in that space, let alone in this, in our yeah. world, like in, in web right. three, we're so driven by the macro parts of our vision that it's like, it makes all the challenges um, worth it. it, makes the 24 seven cycle of it worth it. it, makes being disciplined around lifestyle choices or maybe getting to see friends a little bit less, it makes it all worth it because we actually love what we're creating. And I think if you didn't love what you're creating, if you just created, like you tried to copy like jutes and board apes and fuse them together and make something out of it, you're gonna, it's gonna sound like a really fun thing to do at first and then you're gonna grow to find that it's really not as fun as it, it sounds. <laughs> yeah, 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 100% mate. I think, um, you know, with regards to the, um, the technical side of things, right? We, we spoke about uh, the computing power and the 10 years that it would take to render it. And can you share with us, like, how did you overcome that technical challenge, please? Yes. Yeah. So the biggest part of that was I've learned this. Um, this is one thing I've learned as a founder. One, I'm definitely not perfect. So one recent example is I made a bad hire on so we've got a free mint coming up. I like to keep things scarce, so only a thousand people are getting them, even though we have 10,000 NFTs. Um, but I recently, uh, to use the bad example before going to yes. the good one, I recently made a bad hire. I was actually talking to you about this, Cozy, when we met up. Yes. Um, and when you're running an organization, you really learn, like, I, I remember listening to, like, startup founders that always talk about, like, people like, 
um, in arms, uh, Brian Armstrong, sorry, from Coinbase, and any successful like billion dollar CEO or whatever, they'd always talk about the biggest challenge is hiring. Yes. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, just find someone who's qualified for the job, get them yeah. to do the job, make the job pretty straightforward. And you really do learn that finding talent is extremely rare. Mm. And and there's like a, a crossover between mindset, skill set, and then a couple other intangibles that really make a person um, who they are. Like we've also, I've also experienced people who are extremely skilled but just didn't have the culture fit. And even that, you think wouldn't wouldn't be an issue, but that actually is something you learn. You need to have all three to be like a really effective individual. So on the bad side, I felt the impacts of delayed um, delayed comms from someone can be something that, really, that has on flow effects and affects how I communicate or misaligned expectations or miscommunicated expectations. All those things can be really um, what hurts a project. And for me, it has been one of the biggest like growing pains and challenges that I've had to overcome. And thankfully, I've got a community where I can say, hey guys, here's the, here's the situation. I made a bad hire. I want to rebuild this with the right people. So we're going to push it back and we're going to do it the right way. And now we're executing. Yeah. And now I've got someone that I, I really enjoy working with on that task, for example. Yeah. Similar thing was um, when we started to find people for the technical challenge, my co-founder, he, he's like a real, he calls himself a technocrat. Like, yeah. uh, but like, he's really, really in the weeds. Um, and, there's, and he can kind of like sniff out um, people who actually know their stuff mm. versus people who, who are kind of like selling you on, yes. yeah, I can do the work, but can they actually? Because we knew this was going to be an absolute technical challenge. So I can credit my co-founder with having the, the, the like bloodhound nose mm. to know to be able to speak the language of the individual and know it, it was basically he called me and he said, Oh, this guy Kevin, um, I spoke to him. Okay, we've spoken to like ten other people, but this guy's the real deal. And awesome. I could tell because he was telling me, No, that's not possible, you should do it this way, or you should yeah. do it this way. And he was like calling him out on things. And he's like, that's what I want. I want the person who actually is like, hasn't just read the brief, but has kind of internalized it mm -hmm. and and gets it. And so they thankfully had all the access they needed to rendering capabilities. This wasn't done. Uh, sometimes you can use a cloud renderer, which is like where you, like we've used the farm in France before where they have a bunch of GPUs hooked up. For a job like this, need a little bit more firepower than those would usually give us. And thankfully these guys are local they handled it for us um, and basically ran the entire pipeline. But I've now learned, if I was to run a pipeline like that myself, I'm like, I am not the person to run that pipeline. And I'm also not the person to hire for that pipeline. You want people that are like experts. And so we've had to learn when there's important stuff, like over hire, over, over, like, even if you feel like you've got the right person, keep searching, really get under the skin of it. Mm -hmm. And whereas if there's other things you need more quickly, um, not, and they're not high risk, that's when you can be a little bit more scrappy and startup-y and just go for it and get a task done. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point that uh, you mentioned there, um, Alex, because you mentioned that, you know, just the skill is not enough. And you are, yeah. you, you are just, well, in my, in our humble opinion, you are spot on because um, hiring for skill 
is a short-term win for a, but a long-term loss. And we have an ethos that we say that, you know, it's people first, culture second, skills third, or the results third, you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, you can always upskill someone, but having that right culture is super important to, you know, to be on the same wavelength as you understand where you're coming from and bring that value, yeah. you know? So, yeah. It's funny you say that. Sorry to interrupt you. No, 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 please go ahead. Like, I love listening to podcasts with other founders of different industries and and hearing, like, the either people ahead or at the same level as you and hearing the same stories come up over and over again. And Mr. Beast was a great example that, like, really made me feel a lot better. Mm. Was he was saying that he used to, when he was um, hiring for his, like, production team and, and people within his inner circle, he used to go to... Um, TV people and movie people and he'd hire them in-house because they're more skilled, they've yes. got the experience, they've got like all of that capacity and they'd hire them but their mindset, the way that they would talk is they'd talk like, yeah, I'm going to use this and leapfrog into like a bigger, like the proper stuff, like, yes. <laughs> like um, um, movies or TV again or like a bigger role in the traditional industries and he's like, no, 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 you don't get it. This is where the world is going. Yes. This is actually bigger than that. We we got more our Squid Game video got more views than Squid Game. <laughs> and you want to go over there? You don't get it. And so he said, I now just hire people who have who are young, ambitious, and aggressive, and fast learners, and have the right mindset, and are entrepreneurial, and get it, and get the vision of the company. And I get the people who are already within here to either start to teach them the skills or I empower them. I like hire them and like tell them, all right, now go get the skills. Um, and he'll even hire someone that's just like young and ambitious and has no idea what they're doing. And he'll say, follow me for a year and yeah. then you'll learn how I think and then you can just make decisions on my behalf. That type of mindset for me, I think in Web3 is actually, you don't need to go to that extreme, but it's like, that's really necessary because the people in your team need to like get it. And it's like, even when we're talking about things like rarities, the pe- like someone like you need to talk to, you need to be able to explain that stuff and then understand that that is important. Like that, that is actually a really fundamental piece of the puzzle. Whereas some animation group might just go, ah, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Mm. And we'll spit this thing out. And it's like, oh, what? They're all the same. Yes. Like, oh, sorry. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, but they look great, don't they? It's like, yeah, that's like, you have, like this cultural fit with like what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Charlie, if you want to just say about, you know, I mean, like, um, Alex, when you say like, oh, we don't go that extreme. I mean, Charlie, if you want to tell us a bit about the team that we have, like. Ah, oh, we've got, we've got all sorts on our team. We've got a world, people with a world of knowledge. We've got a few tradies, yeah. former tradies. I'm, I'm a former tradie myself. Yeah. From construction and, the, and passion and, turned in, passion and hobby yeah. turned into a full-time job at Blockstars for and me. I mean, the guy who's behind this camera, uh, you know, Nathan, you know, he's a young kid who... Air conditioner. Air conditioning. Yeah. Isn't yep. it, Nathan? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> and had, had no prior... Uh, he had a bit of crypto, but not blockchain. And we have uh, uh, boilermakers, you know? I think what's important is that if you got passion, that's and if you're yep. a good person, we can upskill you. You know, just YouTube, Udemy. I mean, I mean, as, as developers, you can't really code without, I would say that now, without ChatGPT or Copilot, <laughs> yeah. right? That's where it's going and that's okay. You know, that's nothing bad, but... You, everyone needs that support with whether it's Google. I mean, without Google, 
I don't know how would people call these days with like, oh, stack overflow, right? Yeah. So I think when we know that you someone got passion, I think you just have to bottle it and really use it and to make them, you know, let them grow. I mean, giving that opportunity is the best thing you can do as a as an employer or anyone, you know, uh, if you can give that opportunity, that's super important. So. Yeah, 100%. Like, even on a personal level, I found, I actually, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, I love the accountability. It's challenging at times, but I, I do love the accountability that Web3 gives you because it holds me to, like, a certain standard that I have to hit. There is no, like, often, uh, if you start a startup, you've got no bar, like, a barometer or something telling you if you're doing a good job or not. Yeah. Webster will tell you, and people like hold you to that standard and tell you to be better. And so you're like, all right, I have to be better. Like for me, something that happened was I found that one of our most effective tools for generating sales was me going on Twitter spaces. So I started going on more Twitter spaces. I was spending a lot of time there and I was getting sales, but then that made me look in the mirror and it's like, I'm gonna get better at sales. So I started look, like reading everything I could about sales. I started watching a lot of Alex Hermosi's videos. He's got awesome, great, he's got some really awesome stuff. And it's like, okay, now I have to become a better salesperson, which was just non-traditional to me. Like I can speak passionately yeah. about what we're creating, but sometimes you go on the space and it's like, ah, right, pitch your project. And it's like, okay, I gotta like nail everything and like stick the landing <laughs> and, and make a big song and dance about yeah. it. And I think about that a lot because it's like sales, translates to everything in life. It translates to how we're going to no negotiate with our suppliers. It makes me a better speaker when we're at events. It makes all these things better. I wouldn't have gotten as, uh, I still have a long way to go, but I wouldn't have gotten as good as I've gotten now if it wasn't for being pushed so hard to be better. And so that's one of the things like I really love about Web3. And so I, it, yeah, it comes with a lot of heat, but every day um, I have to be better and I have to make our project better and I have to hold ourselves to that high standard so that we, yeah, we keep growing. Yeah, I know what you mean there, Alex. Like some people that have heard about NFTs and they're like, oh, these guys have made millions of dollars. I'm going to jump in too. It's like you get in here and you realize, nah, it's not, it's not just that easy. It's hard work. It's hard work. Yeah, and, I mean, if you're not passionate about it, what you're doing and having that long-term view. Vision, yeah. Vision. I mean, that's it, right? You can't really push forward from there. Right? You're going to be like, oh, there'll be down down days. Like, there'll be times that, as I think, um, as entrepreneurs or, you know, a project lead, you're going to have good days. You're going to have the highest highs and the lowest lows, you know? Yeah. And how do you... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Let's jump in. And it's funny because like people, um, yeah, people hear that headline and for me, I'm like, we basically, we reinvest so heavily and I live in a four person share house with three of my guy friends. I don't have a car. Like we're just living super modestly and gunning it for the vision because for us, like, I think too many NFT projects, they do what's called premature scaling and they um, basically like build out these massive teams and they start living really lavish lifestyles thinking, oh, like we can just do this again. And it's like, no, 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 you're, you've like almost like raised capital and now you're pre-product market fit. You need to prove that your project has a sustainable revenue source before you feel like you actually have a business. You, cause you don't have a business. You have like this lightning in a bottle moment, but most of these companies are gonna like fizzle out. And that's why for us, 
like the vision has always been physicals as the revenue stream because I think regardless of NFT mindset, we all purchase products and we all feel comfortable purchasing products. People do not feel comfortable buying NFTs again and again and again and again from the same people. It kind of feels really um, like cheap and exploitative. Yeah. And so my my mindset where I'm trying to transition us to for 2023 is shift to an environment where the project is funded entirely by physicals and the digital side is very much a reward driven pathway. And so it's like, if we can play like a figure eight off those two, then we've done our job correctly. And that, that's basically the vision right now. I'm just plugging in a chart at the moment. That's not awesome, good. Man. I mean, you know, and yeah, it's like that. Like, um, I look at projects like new projects, old projects, and it it's hard to build that community and build that momentum up to tens of thousands of people that are willing to support you. But man, it's a lot harder to keep them like and yeah. keep them happy too, as you said earlier, Alex. Is it's yeah. I mean, it needs. Um, I just thought I want to go next actually, um, because. Uh, let's talk about community and community, um, building a community. So you've done a project, right? You've got an NFT, uh, you build a business, right? And now yeah. you have to create this, um, not like a real world business where you build and you just do it on marketing and you know what? Okay, they will come, you build it. But now with the Web3 as a creator, now you have to work at, okay, like I built the project, now I have to build a community or build a community first and the project. and. How did you work that out? Like, you know, because now you're being almost, it's like saying like people saying like, oh, now I got your NFT because I, I'm a shareholder now. That's what they, they feel like. They're now they're like shareholder of Alex or the Bricktopians. Now you have to do what I tell you to do, not ask you to do, but what I tell you to do. So how do you find that balance and what is your vision? It's like the meme where you see the stick man with the stick poking Bitcoin going, <laughs> do something. <laughs> it is a bit like that. It is a bit like that at times. Um, so that's a really good question. And it the answer starts with I'm surrounded by really great people. So I the people in my community are awesome, uh, especially the leaders and the most active individuals, the people who contribute without being asked, the people who make graphics, the people who go on speaking spaces, it starts with them. So that's not me. And then the second layer of that is my team. So we've got a really awesome community team. Shout out Bob Stormen Kutura and my man Frank, who's in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, in Australia, he's in Perth. <laughs> um, and um, it, all, those individuals are really the glue that, that sticks everything together because what they do is if someone ever comes in the front door through me selling on a space or through my content, they are the open arms that welcomes these individuals and it takes it from being, oh, I just bought this thing to I've really joined something. Like I, I'm a part of something now. And something that I've found is that um, I, I, I learned something about how the most important part in creating a startup is that there's like, I think it's called the moment of activation, which is the moment where people go, oh, I get it. And like, if you can get people to have that aha moment, like that light bulb moment, then they're with you for life. And they, they, they really embrace what you're, what you're doing. And like the perfect example is for everyone that used Uber the first time, when you call an Uber, part of that moment was ordering with your phone, but that was kind of weird. The aha moment was when you were in the Uber and then you go to get out and you said, how much do I owe you? And the person goes, no, 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 it's taken care of. It's like, what do you, what do you mean? 
like, uh, this isn't this a taxi? Like, I'll pay you. It's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. It's on, it's on the phone. And then you get out of that, and you're like, oh, I'm never taking a taxi ever again. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm with this thing for life, right? Yeah. And very much, I think, the first few hours that someone joins a community is that moment. There have been so many people who have joined us, and so we place a massive emphasis on the leaders in the community being really switched on, welcoming people, making sure they understand what the, the near-term roadmap is, making sure that they feel welcome and embracing them. And then not just embracing them in that moment, but making sure that they're kind of like, it's like the new kid at school. And it's like, okay, just remember that they've joined us recently, even if they don't use our PFP, and let's just make sure that we continue to engage them. So we're really disciplined around those practices. And I find that means that even if someone like stops paying attention to Web3 for six months, they come back and we're the community that they want to hang out, how to hang out in. So that kind of, that mentality has been really important in maintaining everything. And then from a practical standpoint, something that really has given us longevity is that we don't just have a Discord, we have almost like a Twitter Discord, like a general chat that's closed, obviously. You can't find it, you have to get invited. But it's it's where all the Bricktopians can hang out on Twitter. Because I think after the whitelist grind meta burnt a lot of people out, yeah. um, where like for anyone that might have joined a little bit later, mm -hmm. that was where the way you got a whitelist to a project was going into the Discord and basically sending a message yeah. every two minutes and like racking up points yeah. and being the most active in it. Most people got pretty exhausted of that mm -hmm. and Discord left kind of a sour taste in their mouth. But they need people need a home, people need someone to chat, and they still keep up to date with everything that's going on through Twitter. So made this group chat on Twitter, and we found that that's been really impactful because it, if there's a space on, like the one we're in, we just post it in there, and everyone can like, oh look, I'm already on here. Yeah. What it's now like one step to come across. It's not I'm in another app. I check the announcements channel next to the community yes. updates channel next to the sneak peeks next to, and I have to find my way around. And it's like oh no, I'm already here. Yep, done. I'm in. Yeah. Or someone's got some really exciting life news, and they it, it goes into that chat as well as the, the general chat in Discord. But by having it, it cut, by kind of reducing that friction between what people are already doing, just makes it a lot easier for people to engage and really feel that warmth on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. So that, that's kind of been the strategy behind it. But more than anything, it's been, in my opinion, that moment of activation and everyone taking the time to make that person feel warm. Man, yeah. you said it yeah. so well. It, it's, it's not that easy, even though you, um, you know, you laid out so well what that means, man, to get to that point, like to surround yourself with the right people, I mean, that's the hardest one, you know, part of the whole thing, because you just like, I think you say like, oh, because I got the right people, I mean, get to that point is the hardest part in a community that, you know, sometimes, you know, when they first join, you don't really know who they are, you have to build that relationship and, you know, the right people and how to create a mod out of those people, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You know, and then they become a mod. And then, oh, you got the right people. Okay, now you, they can welcome and all that stuff. I think that get to that part is where the, like, really the community as a leader, you, uh, Alex, you know, transferring your energy, your your culture to these, uh, the mods uh, to be, um, and then getting them to be, become mods. I think that's a magic as a leader that you have and let it flow through Discord, you know, Man, that's unreal. So well done on that. And I know that you are like, you know, we, we are like closing that, you know, the time. Um, I don't want to, you know, make sure that, you know, 
I know that you are like super optimized in time, so I want to make sure that we add value uh, to the uh, community. So I'm going to jump in this brain boot, right? Yeah. Man, I saw you rocked up. <laughs> I recognize you from the brain boot, not from your face. I'm sorry. So no, I'm like, I told Charlie, you know, we are the NFT face. I'm like, ah, oh, I think that's a, because like that's a, that's a, you know sh, you know boot. I see that that's Alex. You know, must be Alex. I need to go and chat to him. You know, so I would love to. I, I heard a couple of bits and pieces about how that came about. I would love to hear that from you again, so that we can you know share that knowledge with the community, mate. Yeah, so it's funny you tell that story. That's that story right there is kind of the exact idea behind the brain group, right? It's that that I, I was telling um, a story that I've, I've really enjoyed telling recently is like a big part of like the the ethos behind why we made Bricktopians the way we made them was because for me when I was first getting into the NFT space. And I bought an NFT. It was like this thing called an unstable horse yard. It was a horse wearing a Napoleon hat with like laser glasses or, okay. or something like that, right? And you like you got this feeling like when you open your first deck of Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh cards or whatever, anything like that, right? And you're like, this is mine. This is so cool. You show your friends, yeah. and they'd be like, what the hell is that? Why would you spend money on that? That's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. And what we wanted with Bricktopians was we wanted, when you whip out your phone and you show someone or show your friend or your family member, they'd be like, look, I don't get all the other stuff, but that one's cool. I get that one. I get why you want to own that one or represent yourself with that. And the brain boot is an extension of that mentality. The, the fact that Cozy came up to me and was like, that's such a cool shoe. Like, I know this, this is the brain boot, is we want that to happen for you. We want you to get stopped in the street and People would be like, what is that? I've never seen that before. That is so cool. And then you can open that conversation and it's like, oh, this is actually like an, I got this through an NFT. Oh, there's actually some use behind NFTs. Like which one, how did you get it? It's like, oh, this, and you show them the brick token. It's like, okay, that is just all like awesome. Like that is so cool. I need to be a part of this. Like that's for me, the vision of what I want our holders to have. That, that, that's the story that kind of guides my thinking. But the way it came to be, um, the brain boot actually started before we started Bricktopian. So my co-founder, Lord Agree, he has been um, a massive artist in the fashion space on some of the biggest brands. One we love, used to love to mention, a bit controversial now, is Yeezy, um, as well as um, Vir uh, Virgil, yeah, before all of this. Um, uh, Virgil Abloh, um, Young Thug, Lamelo Ball, the NBA player, so a bunch of really interesting people. But um, my co-founder, he was starting this road of creating a really innovative shoe that was actually designed by an algorithm. That's where the pipe comes from. It's oh, kind right. of grown, not, not sculpted. Um, and the, when we started going down that road, I said to him, this is a real, that, that origin story that I was talking about earlier about buying a fake uh, pair of Yeezys, right? And getting, getting screwed over early in life. I was like, this is actually a really perfect early use case of what, how an NFT can actually add utility. Like you could sell this as an NFT and then we could make it burnable and get the shoe. Like that was the idea. So we started working on that before Bricktopians, but then with COVID, China shut down and we couldn't really get into manufacturing. So we're like, all right, let's park that for now. And then we re-emerged and, and started up, we started to get into the NFT scene and we're like, all right, this is how we can make our mark. But 
as we reemerged and we're like, oh, this is actually the perfect utility for an NFT project. This is like a competitor to Clonex, an artifact at a fraction of the cost. And no one else is offering this utility because it's just so much easier to make more PFPs than it is to make something in the physical world. <laughs> You're like, oh, this is perfect. Yeah. But something that we've fallen in love with is that in the prototyping phase, we started to 3D print samples and we we're like, whoa, hold on a second. What um, Web3 loves is adaptability, one-of-ones, rare collaborative pairs, all these sorts of things. And NFTs that were like the art could match the physical. And we we're like, hold on, 3D printing is really the only way that you can do that. Because yeah. to make any other shoe, the way you do it is you get a heat press aluminium mold and it's kind of economies of scale. It's really expensive to make one, like crazy expensive. Yeah. But if you make 100,000 of them, suddenly making the shoes Makes is really sense. cheap. Yeah. And that's kind of how the traditional world works. Whereas when you 3D print, if you make one shoe completely different from the next shoe, and then you do five that are similar, and then one over here, and then collaborate with pudgy penguins and make them a shoe and do all these amazing things, you can do those maybe nine shoes I just described, and it's no more expensive than just making one pair. Mm -hmm. And so we're like, wow, imagine what that can unlock yeah. in place. That to me is a shoe by Web3 for Web3. And so we started to go down the rabbit hole of 3D printing shoes, because we'd seen like concept shoes on Instagram and but naturally that's kind of the space that we're interested in. So we've seen a lot of it. But as we got deeper down that road, we found out that basically everything that we had seen was either a concept shoe that was unwearable or it would had to be a super low fidelity, kind of like scratchy looking, like the step um, function that we, we know 3D printing for. You couldn't really get anything that was high quality, smooth, like you saw them cozy, you wouldn't yeah. even know that they're no. printed, they're so it's smooth, right? So good. And yeah, 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 exactly. So I got, I got someone I can call on to vouch for it. And so we, we had to go down this, by that point it was like an eight month rabbit hole mm. of speaking to all the heads of all the 3D printing print makers in the world to wow. basically tell them, pitch us how to use your printer to make our shoe. And then eventually we settled on a partner that was actually able to make this possible. And it wasn't just the partner, but it was the incredible work of my co-founder who was able to actually create an algorithm that made the cushioning so that it's soft enough and that it's flexible and comfortable, but durable enough so that it's actually possible to have a 3D printed wearable in the way that, that what I will always hang my hat on is the highest quality 3D printed wearable that's ever existed. And so we worked so hard to build that foundation, but the great thing is, is you build that pipeline once, like you you, you, you build all the cushioning technology, all the supply chain, all of those things, you build it once, and that's what's been so challenging, is really getting that right. You build that once though, then it switches from really hard to create a shoe to we're gonna have an idea on Monday and have the shoe in our hands on by Friday. That's and that to me is the vision. Man, that is so good. I yeah. mean, and uh, I, yeah. I also remember those shoes, Alex. The so. blue ones, yeah. like, yeah. oh my god! Yeah. NFT Fest in Melbourne was wild, but <laughs> and there were some crazy outfits out there. But those shoes stood out, man. I remember them well. Called Wilder, yeah. Wilder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, awesome, man. You done, you done so well in that, in that, you know how you executed on that, and uh, not that many people could do that. 
you know, yeah. coming from all the way into execution. You know, a lot of people talk, but executing, I think that's what really speaks to the masses, right? Because now they can really see, okay, he's, a, he's, a, he's an executor, not just, a, you know, someone who's working behind the scene. And, um, and you have done it so well. And you have you come across so well, you know. Even when you are when you are speaking, you can, we can just feel the energy, the positivity, the excitement, and you know what? That makes me, you know what I mean? It just makes me want to like, oh, I need to get in there. Because he's gonna go buy another Bricktopian after yes. this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I get. Okay. Sorry, I don't want to cut you off, Chris, because you're saying such kind <laughs> things. But I'd say this for any founder: the our biggest strength is a single mindset that we've applied to everything, right? Like we're, you take on making Britopia for John have done anything quite like it before. And most people might say, oh, that, that just seems impossible. Let's just not do that. Or the same with the brain boots. Like, okay, well, you don't like the 3D printing technology that exists. So I guess you can't do it. It's like, no, well, let's actually like, done, like really get onto this and, and figure out how we're going to do it. The mindset that guides us is uh, that basically we ask ourselves like, okay, if you take it to the extreme, like maybe this seems possible. So then let's walk backwards from there. So to use Cryptopians as an example, it's like, okay, if you're to make it as one giant booty, right? Like all of them stitched together, theoretically that's possible, right? It's like, okay, yeah, theoretically that is possible. And it's like, okay. And if you only had to make five, and you had to make them programmatically and tell it how to make it, it's like, could you do that? It's like, well, yeah, yeah, we could probably figure out how to do five. It's like, okay, so you can make a movie of, like that would be however many hours that is long, and you can make five. So there's no reason that you can't make ten thousand. You there's just a gap between those two concepts. Mm -hmm. So you gotta walk your way to that gap. And the same thing happened with 3D printing. We're like, okay, so we know that this like material is possible, and we haven't seen other emerging materials, but there are like there's this whole list of materials that we haven't seen in the space. So maybe if we just go down the rabbit hole on every one of those, we'll find one that works. And if they haven't been tried and tested yet, we're going to be the ones to do it. So we just start at the top of the list and work our way to the bottom. And what do you know? By like the seventh one, it's like, okay, no, no, this one is awesome. Let's, let's do that. And so, and it's funny because even those printers are like, yeah, we've always wanted someone to use this for shoes, yeah. but we're more focused on making like tech, like um, uh, factory pieces or blah, blah, blah. That mm. We don't really have like partners like that. It's like, all right, cool. We're going to be those people. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the mindset that guys us. We just feel like if you could figure out what the end to end points are and you know there's some give in the middle, you can do anything that you want. And so that we love, I, I always say on the Twitter space, we're a brand that's built on building the impossible so that our holders can have something that they will never see anywhere else. No, that is mm -hmm. so true. Yeah. And you're living it as well. You know what I mean? I mean, that's a, that's a beautiful thing about this. And my, um, we're getting very close and I'm, I'm so conscious about, you know, um, about your time. So, um, Mike, before we finish, any last words, you know, I know that we touched base a bit earlier. I was going to ask you, what is your advice for founders? I just want to so circle back uh, to the same question that you were asked this morning. Yeah. So I'll give, I'll give a bit of a different answer. Let me think about it. Um, okay. No, my biggest advice, and this goes for anyone in Web3 really, is never stop paying attention. 
the biggest mistake I made was I felt really burnt after the 2018 crash. I didn't want anything to do with it for a little while. And so I was still kind of interested in fiddling around with blockchain tech, but I wanted nothing to do with what was happening on Twitter, what was becoming hot in the space, what emerging use cases we were seeing. And I had a friend come to me and he's like, hey Alex, there's this really cool like new um, Ethereum applications coming out. Look at these kitties and they're kind of like Neopets and you can fuse them and this is MetaMask and this is how you download this. And there's all these other ones coming out. And I'm sure I ended up getting a crypto pump because like, it's like they say like what the nerds are doing on the weekend. I consider myself one of these nerds normally. Like yeah, I said that endearingly is what everyone will be doing one day on the weekdays, right? And I should have never stopped paying attention. And so now the thing I've learned is the bear market is where all the opportunities are. So whether you're a builder, an investor, or anyone in between, you should be paying attention now. But the, the last thing I'd say actually is in terms of practical advice is start growing your audience now. You are in no rush. You don't need 100,000 followers, you don't need 20,000. But people like Seneca and Farouk, I tracked their growth. They only had 20,000 followers at the start of the bull market. They ended with 300,000 amazing businesses, amazing teams that celebrated in the space. So if you can just work on day by day growing yourself, um, becoming better, sharing value with the broader ecosystem, when it all comes back around again, you'll be in the perfect opportunity, you'll be in the perfect position to create some incredible opportunities out of it. So. Yeah, those are my two pieces of advice. Don't stop paying attention and grow your audience um, during this period because you've got time and you'll do incredible things in the bull market if you do. I couldn't agree more, man. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I mean, like you say it so well because my last uh, thing that I was going to sort of say uh, to the community is that we had a, uh, so last night was our first uh, meetup event for 2023. And we thought, you know what, we'll have a really organize a pitch night. So for that one, uh, we received close about, you know, just under 40 pitches. And these pitches were all received between um, uh, like Brisbane and Gold Coast. That's it, because we didn't want to have, the, we won't have people there physically for the first pitch night. So out of that, uh, we picked uh, four uh, pitches, uh, the first pretty much first in first last, because we want to give everyone the opportunity. So. And with that one, uh, we had four pitches organized. And out of those four, uh, we invested in uh, three pitches. And it was like half a million dollars. So one, uh, one project, uh, $350,000. The other project was 100,000. And the other pro last project was um, 50,000. So last night we invested in half. And then that's, and you said it right, because this is the time that you really want to invest. This is not the time to be scared and run away because we did that in the dot-com time and we learn our lessons, right? And mm. it's the same thing, but it's different smell, right? So uh, we learned the lesson. So we are in this for the long haul and we need to invest in people, not in projects, but in people because um, you want to bet on the jockey, not on the horse. So that we know as founders, um, when you invest in people, what happens is the projects can be successful and fail, but failing a project doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It means that you went through and you went through the right avenues and you know maybe the market conditions or it could be something personal or what, whatever it is, right? But then what happens is you grow as a person. 
going into this. So that's even more experience as a founder because you know what? That emotion, you can't teach anyone that emotion. That emotion comes through going through experience, hitting that wall. So, and we are saying, okay, look, if you hit the wall, all right, let's, let's talk. Let's, it's not time to just, you know, pack and leave. It's time to, okay, what is your next idea? Because we invested in you, not on the project. So, you know, and, and that's it. And you, like you said, being accountable, you know, that's super important, you know, as founder. So, Mike, you said it so well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, first of all, yeah, I don't think you could have put it any better, Cozy, to wrap it up because, yeah, that's what I think of every single day is if I can just be a better founder for my um, Bricksopian community, then the things that we can share and create together are incredible. Um, I'm conscious that I yep. made you guys go to Google Meet instead of your normal. Oh, we got Woo. rugged by Google. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got rugged. Did we did get rugged by Google? Um, oh, I just wanted to say to Alex, he's still on the um, Twitter space. But, yeah, um, let's uh, so we can invite Alex to, um, to join us. Yep, but yeah. I've been loving his friends. Oh man, and he's been getting into the AI like us as well, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean. Um, Let's see. But um, so let's see whether Alex is going to um, join us. Um, anyway, that's uh, the thing is now, um, I think it's time to finish off. Anyway, I think we yeah. just reached that uh, one hour. Yep. We're going to keep it to that much so that you know, we're not going to bore, bore anyone uh, from listening to our voices. But <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but this is like an awesome example, right? As a founder, what you go through as emotional and yeah. I mean, yeah. Crazy, right? I mean, it's we've a big process, it's and a you know, process. even things that Alex was talking about with yeah. shoes or building the community. It's it looks simple in hindsight, but it's like it's like Bitcoin. Yeah, when Satoshi created it, like oh yeah, that makes sense. But before that, people had been struggling for many years trying to pull the pieces sense. together to make a digital currency. That's it, right? Yeah. And once we see it, then it, it adds like, oh yeah, we can do it. I think that's it. like, you know, Alex has already done it. And there's no, now, now no one can say like, oh, uh, we don't know how to 3D print. We don't, we, we don't know how to do that because someone has already done it, right? So it's like someone like, once you, once one person done it, then everyone can do it. It's not like, yeah. oh, whether it can be done or not because someone yeah. has achieved it, right? I think that's the beauty of this space that you can, you're going to inspire others to do even more greater things. Okay, what is the next thing from here? Yeah, you know? definitely. And, um, but, you know, like, like everyone in this space, that's a beautiful thing. Um, but I just want to use this opportunity to thank everyone who tuned in today and massive thank you to Alex. I know that he took that time to speak with us. So Alex, thank you so much for, for your time today and, um, and, and also to everyone um, who joined us. Um, all right, we have Alex on Twitter. Hey, all right. Sorry, I, I had this one muted. I was messaging you on Twitter. Hey, sorry about um, uh, the Google Meet situation. Next time I'll get, I'll get teams and join you guys on your platform. But Cozy, if you want me to jump in, I'm happy back in. I'm happy to on like a video call to wrap the podcast. Yeah. But if not, I'm also happy to wrap it here. Yeah, let's, let's wrap it here. You know what? I'm conscious of your time as well, mate. And I want to stick to that hour as well. So cool. Um, can I just say before we jump off? Yes. Um, Thank you so much for such an engaging and enjoyable combo. Give Charlie a big high five to me from me as well. All right, high five, Charlie. 
All right. Yeah. Thanks, that that <laughs> If you ever guys want me back, I'm definitely happy to jump in and speak again. There's so much we could talk about for hours. But, yeah, thank you for the, giving me the chance to share my story. And, um, yeah, I, I really love the attitude that you guys bring to the Web3 space. So I think everyone uh, has to make sure that they're following you guys, especially my bricks. I'll make sure they all show you guys some love because um, we really appreciate the platform to share what we're up to. Oh, thank you, brother. That's beautiful. That's like beautiful words there. I mean, that's the thing is, right? Um, you know, together, I think that's the only way we can grow together, right? I mean, it's it's beautiful. And having that a different from Web 2 to Web 3, I think that's what makes it uh, super cool. So thank it's you, our, Alex. It's our superpower. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's like everyone's in this space who are like, really, truly doing things. That's a superpower, you know, and yep. it's awesome. So thank you so much, Alex, and everyone from Bricktopia and the community. And um, yeah, on that note, uh, and I also want to thank everyone who attended last night yes. um, at our yes. meetup we had uh, close to about 150 people last night yes. isn't it oh yeah uh, little bit more. a little bit more than that <laughs> a little bit more yeah. than 150 um looking at the numbers um and the thing is like it was like oh my god your you know, event was great um but what i'm saying to everyone is if if you didn't turn up this event would not have been even going forward right yeah because it it takes like one person to say like, oh, you know what, I'm not going to go to that because they, they you know, we've got enough people there. But if everyone said that, no one's going to turn up. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart to everyone who attended and showed um, and gave love. Yeah. So on that note, Alex, any last words that you want to put out there, mate, before we finish? No, just once again, thank you. Uh more than anything, just thank you for always bringing great vibes because it, it's hard to... Uh, the Web3 space is often like so opinionated or combative or crypto Twitter can be insane, but it's nice when you meet like-minded people that share the same vision for this space. So I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day and thanks again for an amazing space. And thank you too, man. Same to you. Yeah, yeah. likewise. All right. Once, all right, guys. All righty. Enjoy the rest of your day. You too, mate. You too, Lots buddy. of love. All yeah, right. You too, man. See you, Charlie. See you, Cozy. <laughs> See you, Alex. See you, uh, on that note, uh, Twitter Nation, Insta Nation, we'll catch you next week. Next week? Yeah, next week. So next week's going to be something a little bit uh, intellectual. I, I, you know, I mean, it's going to be interesting, right? Yes. Um, yes. What, what is it going to be next week, Charlie? Token mapping. Token Within mapping. Australia. <laughs> Woo! I can't wait. No. <laughs> yes, yes, I've, I've done a little bit of digging, but yep. I was hoping there was someone else had done all the research and put out a YouTube video for me. But it looks like oh, I've got to go the old-fashioned way and dig into the documents yep. and have a bit of read and see what the government's planned out. As yeah. me and Craig were talking earlier today, there's um, some undefined definitives within there, but we're still like, well, could it be used like this? Could it not be? And we'll have our lawyer Maureen in yeah. and a couple of special guests. So That's right. We'll talk about it then more. <laughs> 100%. So I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll um, what do you call, uh, schedule the Twitter space and we'll pin to the top. Yeah. So that way we don't have to scroll through like hundreds of... Um, hundreds of Surtech yeah, yeah. videos and memes and good mornings. <laughs> cool. All right. On that note, guys, we're going to rock the space. <laughs> Much love. 
See you guys. See you later. See you guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe.